1: you have an Airbnb. Your home might be worth more than you think. Find out how much at airbnb.com slash host.
2: Hello, everyone, and welcome along to this week's Loud Legal lowdown. Matchday recap. It's Matchday 22 that we're covering this week with me, your host Jim Mcteer, and with this episode rebroadcast on Sirius XMFC 157. There's so much to talk about this Matchday. We've got the thrilling Betis Barca game coming up. We're going to talk about Levante 2 and I'll explain why I want to talk about Levante this week. But we're going to start this Matchday recap with a storyline that started before the Matchday on Friday afternoon. Zinedine Zidane held his first press conference in a couple of weeks. He was back from having had coronavirus, but he was not happy. He was quite angry, in fact, and he told the journalists at his virtual press conference to show him and Real Madrid some more respect, rather than writing them off. I was on the Zoom call there, which we like to call a Z-Zoom, and you should have seen some of the faces of the other journalists on that call. It was quite a moment, but his players, the ones he had left and who weren't injured or suspended, they went out and won 2-1 away at Huesca on Saturday afternoon. After Javi Glan put Huesca ahead, two Rafael Varangos managed to turn it around. Let's bring in Real Madrid fan Hassan Karim now to talk about it. And Hassan, I want to start with the day before the game and that tense Zidane press conference. Do you think that sent a message to the players at all?
3: I must admit, it feels a bit like the usual kind of media press uh, circle where they usually say Zidane's job is on the line, Zidane's job is on the chopping block, Zidane's head is on the chopping block. The usual spiel that we see every time that there's a bit of pressure at the Madrid dugout, uh, you know, Marco and all those guys have always come straight out. Ziz was under pressure, Ziz was under fire and usually we get a response immediately and the team goes on a little run of results, rinse and repeat, we've seen it a few times this season. Um, And I I do think this kind of had that similar vibe. I think this was Zidane saying to the players, what are you guys doing? Come on. And his usual favourite line, we've got to suffer, we've got to suffer. And I think that message did go out because the team did suffer and they bounced back. And whilst it was a tough result um, and it was a tough watch, to be honest with you, uh, it worked. It definitely seemed to work.
2: There were only 17 players in the Real Madrid squad for the game how do you feel they coped with all their absences?
3: It's crazy and it's about as well as he could have coped or about as well as the team in general could have coped. I mean, the amount of first teams that just seem to be dropping out. Eden Hazard just not a surprise anymore. It's like you kind of are impressed to be strings two games together now. Uh, the Sergio Ramos one, you know, really came out of nowhere considering, you know, all the... The story behind him in the last, you know, couple of months has been how fit he is for a man. That, you know, in in that stage of his career, uh, Danny Carval's always been a bit sort of in and out of the team when it comes to fitness. But this recent run has just been so bad for fitness. I don't understand what's gone on exactly. I mean, I know the schedule's packed and it's going to be hard, but this is just something else. So I feel that they're coping the best they can. But again, what more can you really expect at this stage? You know. I think even post this game now and heading into the next game, Zidane's got something like 12 12, uh, first-teamers to really rely on. It's just, it's wild, it's absolutely wild, and it drives the question even more to the door of Florentino Perez. How are you letting this happen? Why is Luka Jovic on loan? Why is Martin Odegaard on loan? Why did you sell Borja Mayoral? It's just question after question. We wouldn't be in this situation if the president had actually manned up an act about the situation. But I guess that's another topic for another day.
2: Yeah, I'm asking some of those questions too. Moving back to this game, Huesca have improved a lot under Pacheta and their back three is very tough to break down. How do you think Real Madrid did an open play against this Huesca team?
3: Wesker have really been a a very interesting team to watch this season. They've always been quite exciting to watch, you know, and they've got some very, you know, incredible players that really always seem to just pull things out of the bag as we saw with their goal. Absolutely fantastic. Rafa Mir, again, looked very lively. Um, So they've definitely, you know, they've got plenty of pieces within that team to really cause problems, and they do, and they did. Um... And yeah, as you mentioned, they are very tough to break down. And we all know that Madrid often struggles with teams that are very rigid and tough to break down. Um, So it didn't shock me that the goals had to come from set pieces. Um, But Madrid did, you know, create a lot of chances. And I'm pretty sure if you look at expected goals, they actually created a fair number of chances and should have scored more. I mean, Benzema at least should have got two. He was very frustrating in this game. Um, But yeah, I mean... They were tough to break down, but there were opportunities there. It was it was very open in that sense. And I am disappointed in the fact that Real didn't get more from that game and made it harder for themselves than they needed to.
2: Part of the reason that we didn't get more goals for both sides is that both goalkeepers were brilliant in this game. What did you think about them, about Courtois and Alvaro Fernandes?
3: I think the best words to use for the keepers in this game were just utterly incredible. And Alvaro Fernandez really just uh, really was fantastic, and Thibaut Courtois, you know, it was more of what we know from him, and, you know, what we've come to know from him, you know, since his uh, his turnaround in form, um, just incredible with a pair of them, absolutely incredible, just cat-like reflexes, clutch saves, just everything you want to see from goalkeeper performances was on show for the from these guys, you know, two of the very best in the division, just utterly insane.
2: Thanks for that, Haas, for giving us the lowdown on Real Madrid. Before we move on from this game though, let's hear a little bit more about Huesca and about their improvement. Although they lost the game, they played very well and that means it's now, well, two defeats, one win and one draw with a goal difference of zero overall under Pacheta, which is definitely improvement. So we asked local Huesca reporter Christian Serrano to tell us what it is that Pacheta has changed. This is what he told us.
4: I think that um, Pacheta has changed in Huesca team. It's uh, about two things because it has changed a lot mentality. The mentality has changed in the team, and uh, in the tactical aspect, Huesca is much stronger defensively. I think that the, these two things are most important. Also, there are some players that with Mitchell didn't play, and now they are important players for the team. Uh, I'm speaking about uh, Gaston Silva or Dani Skritsche. Uh, Huesca can uh, have to improve, of course, but here, uh, what everybody thinks it's That uh, now for Huesca, it's more possible to be next
2: uh, year in first division. That was the Huesca view there from Christian Serrano of Aragon Deporte. I'm really interested to see how they do get on. They might be bottom of the table right now, but I don't think they'll finish there. Now, moving on to the second bottom team, that's Elche. They feature in our sore throat game of the week segment this week which is coming up just now with Sam Leverage talking us through the drama and the best commentary clips of their 2-2 draw against Villarreal.
5: Elche and Villarreal, a bit of a derby on the east coast of Spain. Two teams close together geographically, but miles apart in terms of football. And Villarreal are one of those sides that are on the way up under Unai Emery, while Elche are really struggling and on their way back down to Segunda by the looks of things. They've not been helped by their management off the field and there's recently been a fallout which has seen their CEO Patricia Rodriguez lead the club and fans weren't able to attend the game on Saturday but they were present at the Estadio Martínez Valero to voice their concerns and protest against the club's ownership as you can hear here from fans gathering in the car park outside the stadium before kickoff. They didn't have too much to cheer about on the field either but Villarreal did have Gerard Moreno back he's been out injured but he was back for them and straight away as we're going to hear in this clip here from Galeno Coppe he went straight for goal back scoring and back playing a huge role for Villarreal. And you'd be forgiven for thinking that Gerard Moreno had never been away. He was back again, scoring a second goal not long after. And as we're going to hear here from Andertero, he used his periscopes to find the perfect angle to beat Edgar Valia, who was in great form again for Elche, but he just couldn't stop Gerard Moreno and his goal-scoring ways.
1: Moreno se plantó en la frontal, buscó con la mirilla, buscó el lugar, buscó con el periscopio, ¿dónde poner la pelota en el fondo del arco? Y si antes había conseguido evitar el ahora no ha podido desde la frontal del área con el segundo de Gerard
0: Moreno.
5: In the second half, Elche did find their way back into the game. Villarreal lost some of their free-flowing confidence that they have shown in the first half and Elche weren't afraid to capitalise. It was Guido Carrillo, not the most prolific of goal scorers, but here he was to score for Elche and give them some hope. As we'll hear here from Onda Titano, a local radio station in Elche. That's the move, that's the action. That was just what Elche needed at the time. <speaking in Elche>
6: De
5: and that celebration there was almost so impressive that you'd think it was for an equalizer but it wasn't Elche still had their work cut out and they did get the equalizer in the end it came from Lucas Boye not that anybody knew it at the time. Here on Carousel Deportivo, we're going to listen in to some of the confusion as everybody tried to work out quite how the ball ended up being bundled into the back of the net after a free kick hit the post and somehow ended up with Villarreal conceding.
4: Hurts,
2: attacks, <laughs>
5: Full of goals, full of drama. It was an incredible comeback from El and They're going to need plenty more of that fight and determination. They've got two games in hand on most of their relegation rivals, but they are two points from safety as things stand. It's all to play for, for Villarreal as well, in that race for Europe. So stay tuned because this battle is going to go right to the wire at both ends of the table.
2: Thanks, Sam. That really was a cracker, as was the next game we're going to discuss, which was Real Betis against Barcelona. Our breakdown of that one is coming up just after this short break. We'll be right back. Hello and welcome back to this episode of La Liga Loaddown. We're covering Matchday 22 and one of the very best games from this round was Real Betis 2, Barcelona 3. This was a lot of fun and Real Betis went ahead through Borja Iglesias but that was against a Barca side that didn't have Messi, at least not at that point. He was being rested and he was brought on with the clock at 56 minutes and 31 seconds and then at 58 minutes and 53 seconds he'd put the ball in the back of the net. Then Messi helped create a victory's own goal shortly afterwards before Ruiz scored one at the right end and then he lost possession to Trincao back at the other end for the young Portuguese to smack in a brilliant strike to earn Barca the 3-2 win. It was a whirlwind of a game as it so often is when these two teams face off. We've got Real Betis fan and journalist David Whitworth here to break it all down and I want to start on that point, David. Is this the most fun fixture in La Liga right now? What do you think?
7: When you pair up Real Betis and Barcelona, you're guaranteed goals galore. And it happened once again. It's a game which always lives up to expectation with 19 goals in their previous three La Liga meetings. And it was the identical scoreline, funny enough, on the identical weekend of last year. These two teams played on February the 9th. This match was played on February the 7th. And Barcelona winning once again... By three goals to two in an entertaining match. Lightning struck twice within uh, two different years and um, fantastic for the neutral watching this game. And it really does live up to expectation every time, whether it's not just in the Estadio Benito Villamarin, but in the camp now as well. There seems to be goals aplenty in these fixtures. So it's certainly up there in La Liga as one of the go to fixtures. For La Liga watchers to enjoy goals aplenty.
2: You're not a neutral whenever Betis are playing, but even though they lost, I imagine you're proud of this performance.
7: Well, the performance against Barcelona fell very much in line with the performances from this calendar year. Betis showing a lot of solidity, a lot of confidence, a lot of swagger, and an organised team from back to front mostly every player played to their potential and certainly in the first half well, that shaded it between the two teams it was a bit of a bitty and lacking lacking in fluidity i think betty's just shaded it in the in the first half and yeah the uh, the performance was very very good overall unlucky not to uh, to get a draw out of it, which I think, from my point of view, would have been a fair result. But uh, nonetheless, it was a, a very, very good performance and a good image shown once again by the team to take the team forward.
2: The big difference in the match was clearly the introduction of Messi. What were your thoughts when you saw that he wasn't starting? And then what were you thinking when you saw him warming up and coming on as a sub?
7: When I saw Messi wasn't in the starting lineup, I thought that was a a right decision because Barcelona had a very very chaotic and eventful match in the Copa del Rey, like ourselves against Athletic Club Bilbao. Much the same for Barcelona against Granada. So I thought that was that's that that stood to sense because they've got a match also in midweek against Sevilla in the Copa del Rey semi final. However, when I saw him. Warming up and coming on as a substitute, I thought, please just enjoy this game like the neutral. (laughs) But apart from that, even at half-time, I sensed that he would be the difference-maker. Even at 1-0, you just knew there was going to be a change in the scoreline. Were he to come on, he did come on. He was the difference-maker. Within three minutes of coming on the pitch, he scored a very, very good goal and a beautiful assist for the second goal. And he just dictated everything in that second half. He was the metronome and once again proved with a shadow of a doubt, without a shadow of a doubt, why he is still one of the greatest players in world football. And personally, as a neutral, as a a lover of football, we want to see the best players. Obviously, you want to see your team win, but you want to enjoy the best players on the pitch. And you just have to marvel still at the age that he is producing at the high end of world
2: football. Absolutely. Now, I want to ask you about Victor Ruiz as well. How topsy-turvy was his performance?
7: Well, Victor Ruiz, the Betis defender, had a very eventful game. Firstly, he was unfortunate to score the own goal to give Barcelona the advantage of 1-2. But he redeemed himself very soon after with a great bullet header. And a wonderful free kick from Nabil Fakir. And then unfortunately he was on the wrong side of things. With a little bit of a hesitation. And only in football a little bit of a hesitation. Just a millisecond is enough when you've got world class stars. Which Barcelona have. And it gave that extra little bit of time for Trincao to score. What was a sublime goal. But still nonetheless it was a mistake from Victor Ruiz. Having said that, he's been one of the main reasons why Bertis have improved very much his solidity, his bravery and courage on the ball. Good tackling, good defensive positioning has enabled Bertis to improve in recent weeks. So, Betty's fans can't be too hard on him. It was an unfortunate uh, game. It was a very eventful game and certainly was a very topsy-turvy match for him. But certainly, as a collective Uh, Betis have certainly improved with him in the ranks.
6: Overall,
2: it has been a decent start to 2021 for Betis. What are your expectations for the second half of the season?
7: Well, it's been a very solid start to 2021 for Real Betis ballon The first defeat against Barcelona in 10 games in normal time with the Cup defeat to Athletic Club Bilbao on penalties. Started with the draw against Sevilla in the Derby 1-1. Very unfortunate not to win that game as well. Then there was the cup run to the quarter-final stage. And unlucky not to make the semi-finals with that late equaliser for Bilbao. To take it into extra time and ultimately losing on penalties. But overall it's been a very, very good month to six weeks. Notable wins against Osasuna and Celta de Vigo in the league. Beating Real Sociedad in the Copa del Rey drawing against Real Sociedad in the league as well and yeah putting in some very good performances against Athletic Club Bilbao and against Barcelona as well which ensures that certainly Manuel Pellegrini's team will be looking upwards and certainly the aim between now and the end of the season will be to continue this good run solidify the good form and to keep the players on top of their form because it seems Every single player is playing to their top ability at the moment. The likes of Canales is in the form of his life. Fakir has come back into form. Shame for Liners before his coronavirus because he was getting a run in the team. And Joaquin as well. Always there, always a threat from assists and goals. And even Boca Iglesias is having a, the best time since he came with four goals in his last six matches. So Betis have got options going into the business end of the season. A tricky game against Villarreal next time out, but it's one that certainly Betis will be looking to win Villarreal have drawn four of the last four games, four games on the trot they've uh, not been able to win for consecutive draws. And certainly that'll be a game that Pellegrini will be earmarking to try and go for the win because the fifth spot is still potentially possible. Certainly I think even the start of the season, Betty's fans were looking at a Europa League. I think the Champions League was just a wish. Certainly the Europa League is an appropriate target and that's how it should be between now and the end of the season. We might not make the Europa League come the end of the season, but the most important thing is is to be in the mix and to show that they've got the determination and the courage and the bravery to attempt to, to go for the positions and see where we finish up at the end of the season.
2: Thanks, David, for that. Before we move on from this game, let's just hear quickly from the match winner, Trincao, about his first Barcelona goal. Here's what he said post-match.
3: Well, it's a victory. We, we don't care if it's a comeback or or 5-0. We have to win every game and, and that's all. I'm really happy and happy for the, the win and, well, we have to, to keep it like that and and to, to win the, the next game.
2: The league leaders at Atletico Madrid were not in action over the weekend because they have the Monday night game this round, they'll take on Celta Vigo, but let's talk through some of the other games that have already taken place in match day 22. Starting with the Friday night match between Alaves and Real Valladolid. It was only one Jocelyn goal that split these two teams, but really Alaves could have won by a lot. It was 20 shots from Alaves to just 3 from Real Valladolid, that's quite a difference. It was a similarly dominant performance from Sevilla as they took on Hitafi even though the three goals in their 3-0 win didn't come until after Jenny was sent off for a horror tackle on Lucas Ocampos. That tackle provoked an argument on the sidelines between Julian lopetegi and Jose Bordlas that ultimately saw them both sent off. And that tackle on red card ultimately cost Hitafi because they couldn't hold on with just 10 men and they lost 3-0. That was the joint biggest margin of victory this weekend and honour shared with Real Dad. They defeated Cadiz 4-1 with Oyer Sabal and Alexander Isak getting a brace each. In the end, it was a big win for La Real but there were some refereeing calls that were quite controversial when the scores were still tighter and this led to Cadiz president Manuel Vizcaino Fernández publishing an open letter to Spanish Federation president Luis Rubiales Fix the VAR issue, fix it now, he wrote. It's never really a good look when clubs publicly complain about refereeing but one point he made that I do agree with was when he complained about how Alvaro Sorbera is basically the only coach who this season has had to miss matches with a ban for complaining about referees but he's certainly not the only coach who has done so but he was the only one punished anyway for now Cadiz just need to focus on finding solutions on the pitch that's the same as Eibar who are the team just outside the relegation zone after losing to Osasuna 2-1 over the weekend. In truth, they deserved to lose. They only stayed in it first long because of the brilliance of Marko Dimitrovic. But Ante Budimir got a late goal to make it a huge win for Osasuna. Then One other game that was really interesting was the Athletic club vs Valencia match on Sunday. This is a classic fixture of Spanish football but it was especially significant this time because it saw Marcelino go up against his former club. Although Atletic started better and went ahead. With a Hugo Guillemot own goal, Valencia fought back to earn a draw against our old coach, Gabriel, coming up with the equaliser. In the end, of finished 1-1 to mean that nobody got the bragging rights in the Marcelino derby. Now, I want to talk about Levante, and I want to do so with Paco Pollock because he knows the club so well. Levante this week made it to the Copa del Rey semi-finals again for the first time since 1935 and they also just signed José Luis Morales to a new contract so it was a pretty successful week for them even before they played their weekend match against Granada which they drew 2-2 So Paco, firstly what was the mood around the club coming into this game on Saturday?
6: I believe the word to describe it is euphoria. In just a matter of days, Levante beat Real Madrid away from home, got a clutch win against Villarreal, and indeed extended El Comandante's contract till the year 2023. Remember, Levante hadn't been able to squeeze into a Copa del Rey semi-final for over eight decades. So you can imagine even that Levante fans, of course, knew their fixture against Granada was going to be a very tough game because both sides were going to be pretty worn down after their extra effort in the midweek games but they were flying regardless and happy to see their team in such good form
2: yeah Morales went and scored another two goals after a disappointing 2019-20 season on an individual level for him how do you explain his improvement in 2020-21
6: you know, I don't really have a proper explanation for Morales doing so well lately. It's just a matter of the player and the rest of the team suddenly clicking and becoming something much more effective when finishing their plays. Morales scored two, but he was an all around threat to Granada's defense during the whole game till he left the pitch limping. His chemistry with Roger Martí has been great lately, and if you add how sharp Jorge de Frutos was in his runs in the wing, Levante's attacking front seemed in good shape overall, even after their effort against Villarreal. Unfortunately, it wasn't enough to back the three points, but it seems obvious that El Comandante is going nowhere soon, and he will be the star of the show for quite a while.
2: He had a slight injury, but do you think Morales will play in the Copa semi-final against Athletic Club this midweek?
6: Absolutely, yes. In fact, he said in the flash interview post-game that he had left the pitch because he felt a slight pain and he didn't want to push it. Levante's double showdown against Athletic Club next week is possibly the biggest event of the whole 21st century for the club, so I definitely expect Morales to take seriously his recovery and be available for Paco Lopez in the first leg in Bilbao.
2: Let's talk about Levante's defence for a moment. It must be quite frustrating that they can see the goal like the Soldado 2 2 goal right in the last minute.
6: Yeah, well, it's more or less something we can always expect in Levante games by this point. They are very exciting to watch. We often see plenty of goals. Levante on the offense are quite a mesmerizing side to enjoy, but their defending is appalling 90% of the time, with grotesque mistakes which a more consistent side wouldn't make. The way a handful of players slipped to the ground in the build-up to Soldado's goal, later the passiveness of several defenders when Puertas got the ball inside the box and he had it so easy to cross it into Soldado's header, well, I guess you can't have it all. So yes, it's very frustrating to watch, but by this point we have already made peace with such inconvenience.
2: Well, thanks Paco for the insight there, insight which brings us to the end of this matchday recap. I want to thank all the contributors to this episode, that's Hassan Karim, Christian Serrano, Sam Leverage, David Whitworth and, of course, Pack Pollitt. And I'm you McTeer and I've enjoyed being your host. Remember, we've got this kind of podcast coming out at the start of each week. And if you enjoy it, please do tell your other La Liga loving friends about us. For now, thanks for listening to us this week. Have a good one and speak to you next time.